What's going on, everybody? I'm Dylan Patemri, and welcome back to yet another episode of Top Shelf. The season is winding down, and we sort of know what teams are going to make the playoffs now. It's all about seedings. We will be focusing on some individuals who have had a great season and some who are only actually just beginning their season now. Without further ado, let's hop right on in to another episode of Top Shelf. Alrighty. So, like I mentioned last time around, McDavid has been having an insane season, and 100 points looks more likely than ever now. He's currently sitting on 93 points in 51 games with just 5 games remaining and in need of 7 points. McDavid would need to average 1.4 points per game, which honestly should not be any trouble at all. Right now on the season, he's averaging 1.82 points per game. And if you only look at his last five games, he's been on fire, averaging 2.4 points per game. Um, It is truly a historic season, regardless of what happens, but would be amazing to see him accomplish this milestone and hit 100 points. I really think he's going to do it. He looks determined out there like he wants them. Um, But that, that should be interesting to watch for the remainder of the season as it goes on. Now, moving on from less of the present of who's good in the NHL and more to who was good in the past, um, with the current rate that McDavid is on, he would be expected to get around 149 points. And you know who the last person to do that? Well, w- one of them was Mario Lemieux, but the other person was Yamir Yager. Now, if you're wondering what Yager has been doing since he left the NHL in 2018, well, he's still playing hockey. He In the Czech Republic, Jager plays for a team called Vatiri Kladno. It's a team that he actually owns, and they just won the second-tier league in the Czech Republic, which Jager had an assist in the 5-2 win in Game 7, in the Game 7 of the finals to help promote them. And after 33 years of playing professional hockey, though, the 49-year-old decided that when it comes to retirement, he's not going to be retiring. Yes, Yager is going to be back and continue to play as his team was promoted into the top Czech league, the Czech Extra Liga. Um, Yager did comment saying that he knows his skills are declining, but he still feels good enough to go out and play. Yager, this man is an absolute animal, and I respect him so much. And can you really say that you're shocked to still see him out there? I mean, he played in, I think he was like 41 or 42, maybe even older. Well, he played till he was 43, maybe. But Yager played 24 seasons in the NHL, including his first with the Penguins, where he was drafted fifth overall in the 1991 draft. Um, Just kind of to go over a bit about Yager and his stats and just how good he was. Yager is first in the NHL history in game-winning goals with 135, second in points with 1,921, third in goals with 766, fourth in games played with 1,733, and fifth in assists with 1,155. And in points in the Stanley Cup, he is 201. He won the Stanley Cup twice with the Penguins back-to-back in 91 and 92, and got the Hart Trophy as the NHL MVP in the 1998 and 1999 season. 
He also led in scoring five times in the 1994-95 season and from 1997 to 2001. He was also named an NHL first team all-star seven times and who knows maybe he'll make one more appearance back um, I'm just I I won't I won't count it out because it's Yager so we really don't know what he could do maybe he would just make like a quick like one game appearance or some some like final send-off like that but um I I it probably unlikely to be honest and I don't know if he would come back to the NHL as like a coach or something like that, but he's enjoying himself. He owns the team and is working his tail off there. He said he can't like he used. He, it was funny. He he was talking about how he used to be able to just score at will and like if he wanted to score, he could just go do that. Which is like just so funny that like you think like these players at the professional level is gonna be competitive. He's like, yeah, I could score whenever I really wanted to, but now saying he really has to work for it. But moving right along, um, now we have an actual retirement that was announced last Thursday. Um, this was by goaltender Ryan Miller, who's currently with the Anaheim Ducks. Miller is the winningest U.S.-born goaltender of all time with 390 and still counting. Actually just added his uh, 391st. Um, Miller decided to retire and said that um, family and like kind of downtime is what it came to. And that's why he has decided to do so. Um, He pretty much knew at the beginning of the season that it was probably going to be his last. Um, He was just kind of waiting and he announced it now rather than after the season, which he originally planned just so he could kind of enjoy it and celebrate the moment with his teammates. Um, Miller did confirm um, that hockey is absolutely his passion and while right now he's kind of taking a step back and step away in the long term, he would like to become part of management or player development in the NHL for a team. He was selected by the Buffalo Sabres in the fifth round in 1999, which obviously what a seal that was. Uh, he currently has a record of 391, 298, and 86 with a 2.64 goals against and a .914 save percentage, which is some pretty good career numbers there. Um, he did win the Vesna in 2009-2010 with a record of 41-18-8, and eight, a 2.22 goals against, and a .29 save percentage. Um, on Saturday, it was his last ever home game with the Ducks. They are not going to make the playoffs. Um, the Kings all stayed out on the ice to congratulate Miller on his career. Obviously, very classy by LA to do that. Um, kind of that going away type tour. I'm expecting we'll see Miller play uh, at least one more time I'm gonna guess in the last game of the season or if he's not starting that game he'll probably close it out they'll sub out Gibson sometime in the third or Stellars whoever starts for them Um, but overall like a great career for Ryan Miller Um, obviously he said that he does feel like he feels very connected with Buffalo and the organization and would love to come help them out sometimes. So maybe long-term you could see him joining onto the staff, maybe as a goalie coach or something like that. But now we're going to transition to someone who's doing the opposite of retiring, um, who's just starting their career here in the NHL. Um, and that's Cole Caulfield or Goal Caulfield, should I say, his rightful nickname. Um, this kid is one of my favorite prospects in the NHL right now. Um, I, I was so excited to see where he went until I saw where he did go. Cause 
it kind of sucks. Um, he went to the Montreal Canadiens at 15th overall in that 2019 draft. Um, I'm a Bruins fan, so uh, it kind of sucks to see him go to the Canadiens, but I'm definitely going to still be cheering for him because I absolutely love this kid. Um, he was originally supposed to go maybe in the top 10, maybe just maybe crack the top five, um, but he most likely dropped out due to his size. Um, Caulfield stands at a mighty five foot seven, but I'll tell you, he has got one of the best shots in the NHL. And I think he is going to be an absolute nightmare goal scorer, obviously going to be insane on the power play when he does. So um, many people were doubting his talent transition from college to the NHL saying some of the moves he pulls off, Oh, a defender is just going to come up and rock you and hit you. And there is definitely that difference of physicality, but um Caulfield played at Wisconsin for the past two years. Um, he won the Hobie Baker Award this year, which is the MVP of college hockey, basically. Um, Caulfield scored 30 goals and put up 51 points, both of which led all of college players, may I say. He also became the first Big Ten player to win back-to-back -back scoring titles. And so he made his debut against the Flames on April 26th. He went pointless through his first three games. Um, but in game number four of his career, he nabbed his first ever goal in overtime against the Senators to, uh, to win the game. Um, it wasn't anything that special, I will say. Uh, it was a feed across the net, which he kind of just tapped in. But hey, it's your first goal. It was in overtime. Um, like, that's pretty amazing, right? Like, scoring in overtime is your first goal? Wrong. Guess what he did on his second goal? He scored an overtime winner against the Leafs two days later in their next game. Like, what a what a great start to your scoring career and this goal was way way better than his last one he was coming off the bench grabbed the puck at the top of the blue line did a little in and out move and sniped the puck in i and this was against the toronto maple leafs too um i just love it he he brings such explosiveness and has such an amazing shot and obviously got a root for the small guy out there um, I'm just excited to see his career keep going. I don't know how many more games he'll play for the Canadians this season. I'm assuming he'll play a couple more. I don't know if he's going to crack into their lineup for the playoffs. Um, not really sure what they're going to plan to do with their lineup. Depends on injury and COVID restrictions and stuff like that. But I'm sure if someone goes down or they need to shake things up a little bit or need some offense that you're going to see Caulfield planted into that lineup. Um, and he's without a doubt one of their top prospects, and I completely look forward to him. I'm going to assume he's going to play a full season next year with the Canadians. Maybe maybe not a full season. Um, I don't think he'll be rotated down into the AHL unless he gets in a little bit of a slump, but I'm assuming they're going to try and play a majority of the games next year. So now moving on to some less positive news, um, we have Tom Wilson. Wilson got into some trouble with the New York Rangers in Monday night's game where he uh, held down Pavel Buchnevich and then he held him down face down and then proceeded to punch him in the back. This caused a fight to break out between the two teams and Wilson was then beating down on Ryan Strom. Panarin then jumped in to try and stop Wilson, who then took him aside and ended up having his helmet flip off and then body slammed him onto the ice. And as Panarin attempted to get up again, he shoved him back down with both hands and proceeded to punch him. So 
that's kind of everything that happened. And Wilson received a two-minute roughing penalty and a 10-minute misconduct. And later on, the Department of Public Safety reviewed and dealt Wilson a $5,000 fine. But the New York Rangers were irate with this decision and released a statement saying, the New York Rangers are extremely disappointed that Capitals forward Tom Wilson was not suspended for his horrifying act of violence last night at Madison Square Garden. Wilson is a repeat offender with a long history of these types of acts, and we find it shocking that the NHL and their Department of Player Safety failed to take the appropriate action and suspend him indefinitely. Wilson's dangerous and reckless actions caused an injury to Artemi Panarin that will prevent him from playing again this season. We view this as a, a direct, excuse me, a direction of duty by NHL head of player safety, George Peros, and believe he is unfit to continue in his current role. So those are all your facts and what exactly went down. And now it's time for my opinion. Um, I will start with the New York Rangers statement. I completely get what they're saying. Um, and I completely like, well, I, I pretty much agree that he should have been suspended for this. Um, saying Artemi Panarin is out for the season is kind of like over exaggerating it. The, the Rangers have three games left in the season. So like, he's only going to be out for maybe a week, which I mean, obviously he's still injured. So that's a big deal. Um, but basically they're calling out George Peros, um, who's the head saying, basically calling for him to resign. Um, so earlier this season, we saw Tom Wilson receive a seven game suspension for a high hit on Brandon Carlo. Now, in my opinion, I believe what he did on Monday was actually worse. The hit on Carlo was bad and high, but I don't know what more Wilson could have done. Um, so I think that that would have been, it would have been just fine in that situation. And it would have a fine, like just finding him the 5,000 would have been okay. But Wilson is a repeat offender, so they felt they had to take that into consideration. Um, I was kind of flipping back and forth on what decision they made. I thought from seeing it was going to be a 15-game suspension at first when I first saw it. I had also thought he had punched Buchnevich in the back of the head, too. So that has to be taken into consideration. I did look at it again. He did get punched in the shoulder. It was not the back of the head. He was still defensive, though. But then I looked more into it, and uh, I kind of thought, okay, like he was just defending himself. Tom Wilson, no, no, Tom Wilson was not doing that. But now looking at it, my final opinion was Wilson was just acting like an absolute goon out there. Like, you know, if have you seen the hockey movie Goon where, um, what's his name, Doug Glatt? He just literally gets hired to the Halifax uh, Highlanders to just basically be the tough guy and beat up a bunch of people. And like, he just goes crazy and punches everyone out there. Yeah, that's that's kind of more what I kind of saw out there. Um, so for the, starting with the first thing, he holds Buchnevich down, face down. So Buchnevich is defenseless there and he's just laying on the ice. He proceeds to punch him in the back. Now that honestly is just kind of like, like, I don't know, that's a weak move. That's like, like I, I know Wilson can stand up for himself, but just punching a defensive person laying on the ice like that's kind of weak he then gets tugged away from him and then starts beating down on ryan strom who's laying on um laying on the ground there like just being so then panarin comes and jumps and tries to grab wilson and kind of bring him away and people are like 
oh, Panarin was asking for it. Tom, like he went after Tom Wilson. Well, what what else is Panarin supposed to do? Is Panarin just supposed to sit there and just watch everything happen? No, you always see players like kind of grab players and try and like pull them away from each other, kind of to stop the fight and everyone like pairs up and just kind of just grab away. But then you see Tom Wilson proceed to start going after because he's just like in his mind, he's just like fight, 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 fight. He, that's like all that's going through his head. He proceeds to rustle around with Artemi Panarin. Panarin's head not head excuse me helmet ends up flying off and then right afterwards wilson body slams him down which obviously honestly could have been very bad if panarin's head had hit the ice um he did not have his helmet on um but yeah and then he pushed panarin back down as panarin was trying to get up and then if you saw him in the box he started doing this like this muscle type thing like showing like grunting it was just absolute silly and I have no clue how there was no suspension here. Like, I am serious. Wilson is going to seriously injure someone at some point. And he he needed a big suspension here. Because if you, like, I understand, like, everyone complains about you're giving this guy a $5,000 fine. That's like pocket cash to him. Um, to a certain extent, they can't just throw out because there are other players who do not make that amount of money so you have to keep it consistent and I think that's fine like giving the five but you've got to give this guy a suspension like he's had so many offenses here like you can't you can't just get let him get away with that um obviously I think he should have been suspended um Wilson's gonna injure someone um it, it just reminds me of like I mean not so much this guy didn't really do it as much um after the whistle but like matt cook who ended so many players careers so many people called for him to just be suspended just kick him out of the league in fact um but i really do think like a hefty um hefty uh suspension is going to be needed soon sooner or later wilson's going to hit someone across the head give them a concussion they'll be out for their entire career um i think it's just they they needed to give him a hefty suspension, and they didn't. I completely disagree, but that's just my opinion. You guys can have your own opinion on it and tell me what you think about that. Um, but moving on to the Seattle Kraken, more exciting news. Let's get into positivity about hockey. They finally paid their last feed, and they have officially become a part of the NHL and can start working out deals. Um, the expansion draft is scheduled to be on July 21st. The rules that will apply is... The team must take at least 14 forwards, nine defensemen, and three goaltenders. They must also take only one player from every NHL team, except for the Vegas Golden Knights, who recently joined in the expansion draft as well as not to like hurt them and stuff like that. They also must take at least 20 players who are under contract for 2021-2022 season. And of those contracts, they must make up 60 to 100% of the upper limit salary cap. Um, so basically like, players that are going to be on expiring deals they have to take 20 players who are signed through next year basically is what it's saying um so teams oh and one more other thing for the kraken they um they cannot buy out any players um that they draft until the following summer so like a team can't be like oh we'll give you like a third pick if you take this guy 
And then the Seattle Kraken are like, okay, and then we're just going to buy him out so we don't have his contract on the books. No, you got. they have to hold on to that contract at least until next summer, and then they could proceed to buy him out. But teams who want to protect um, their players, they have two options. One option is to protect seven forwards, three defensemen, and a goalie, or they can protect eight total skaters, either forward or defenseman, and a goaltender. Um any player who has a no move clause though and does not waive their uh, clause must be protected by that team as well any first or second year professional player or unsigned uh, players from the draft will be exempt and will be taken out of um, the protection but do not have to be used to kind of protect they don't have to protect those players um so um Yes. So it will be, it's going to be kind of interesting to see what we get down to when the time comes and what teams do decide to do. Cause as we saw with Vegas, a lot of teams did let go of some very good players that turned out quite well, like William Carlson, Jonathan Marcheseau, Alex Tuck, those type of players. But speaking of this, the first player so far to uh, waive their no trade clause was Milan Lucic of the Calgary Flames. Um, now Lucic currently will have, he's, got three years, but not including this year. He'll have two years on $6 million, but the Oilers are retaining $0.725 million of that contract. He wants to stay another year with the Flames, but does not want to handcuff them, so he was willing to waive his no-trade clause um, as in case they have other players they would rather protect. My guess is that the Kraken would be unlikely to take Lucic anyways. Um, he's kind of got a baddish, kind of not the best contract really. And unless they wanted that enforcer to kind of help out and establish their team, then they would probably pick him. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm guessing it's unlikely. There'll probably be better players from the Flames that they could take. So last week we talked about the playoffs and who is clinching, who is looking in right now. Well, that has almost all been determined. Excuse me, determined. Um, starting with the East, which is the first division that has been completely locked up. The Penguins, Capitals, Bruins, and Islanders have all clinched playoff berths, and now it's just a matter of time of where they will be seated. It's most likely we will see it go Caps, Penguins, Bruins, and Islanders. The Rangers were the team looking in, but just couldn't minute manage. I think Panarin, for those few games that he missed, kind of hurt. I also feel like it was just because the East was so tight and competitive. Um, I think next, like they would have made it in any other division, basically. I think they'll come back better and harder next season. All their younger players will have had another season under the belt. Um, the Flyers were expected to contend, especially by me. I think I had them as my um, first, were they my first seed in my uh, preseason predictions, I think? We'll go over my preseason predictions um, once the season's concluded. We'll go over all my preseason predictions and how everything um, kind of laid itself out. Um, but the Flyers were kind of contending but fell off midseason. Hart just had an absolute dreadful season, but he'll bounce back. I know for sure. He's a great goalie. He had an offseason. Um, he's also going to be having surgery now. But as far as the Devils and Sabres, Devils look pretty promising, have pretty good young talent. And the, the Sabres look hopeless. Um, sorry again for the Buffalo sand slander, but it's just so easy to do. Um, now into the North, where it's almost all been but determined. The Maple Leafs and Oilers have both clinched the playoffs, while the Jets and Canadians are just almost clinching. Um, both teams play tonight, and if they both get the win, uh, they will clinch their spots into the playoffs. The order, in my opinion, looks to go Leafs, Oilers, Jets, Canadians. 
I have the Jets ahead of Montreal solely because they play Ottawa and Vancouver, where Montreal plays Toronto and Edmonton. So I think they're likely to get more points. The Flames are just going to miss out by a little bit, but just because they didn't really start making that push till the end of the season. The Sens miss out due to a very young core, obviously, that's still rebuilding for the future. And Vancouver had a shambolic season, and COVID really hit them hard this season, as well as losing Marksham to the Flames. In the Central, not much has really changed. Carolina is going to be at the top. I like the Lightning for second over Florida, who will probably be in third. The Blackhawks have been eliminated. The run was good while it lasted, and it looked hopeful, but they will take their pick, and they will move on to next year. Detroit was expecting its bad season, obviously, after one of the worst seasons ever in the NHL history. And the Blue Jackets, I don't really know what to say. Your lineup is inconsistent, and your coach is probably going to have to go because with him, Liney won't become the player you want him to be, and he'll just end up leaving um, in the offseason, not this year, but next season. Even though you have RFA rights, um, he's not going to take a long-term contract, and he's just going to request to go if you've got Tortorella as your coach. Um, that leaves Nashville and Dallas competing for the fourth spot. The Preds have three more games against the Blue Jackets and Hurricanes twice. Oh, excuse me. They have three more games in total, but one is against Blue Jackets and two against a Hurricane. I'm predicting like three points, probably a win against the Blue Jackets gets them two, and maybe an overtime loss and a regulation loss, giving them another one point. Um, so that's going to put them at 63 points. And then the Stars have um, five games left. With the Blackhawks twice, or excuse me, four games left. Blackhawks twice, Lightning twice, which I'm predict predicting is going to get them five points. Um, I'm guessing either like kind of maybe two wins against the Blackhawks and then only one win, or maybe if a win, maybe an overtime loss against um, the Lightning. I just think it's unlikely. Um, they did get Sagan back, who scored his first goal, but I think it's unlikely, and I think the Predators are going to edge him out, and Dallas is just going to miss out on the playoffs. And finally, in the West, where Vegas, I think, will hold on to that first spot. I think they will. They've had a very strong season. Colorado will easily nab second. Minnesota, amazing season for them. They're going to grab third. San Jose and Anaheim have both knocked, been knocked out. Anaheim, no surprise. They have a young team and are still rebuilding. I expect a big jump next year, though. And the Sharks are just in an awkward position with veterans with bad contracts who aren't good enough to make a push into the postseason. The Blues, Coyotes, and Kings are still all technically in contention for fourth, but with two points being all that the uh, St. Louis Blues need in their last six games that they have left, it, it's pretty much all said and done. The Blues will be that fourth seed in there. Um, so next we got my three stars of the week. At number three, I have Sebastian Ajo making back-to-back -back appearances here on my three stars. Last year, he, uh, excuse me, last week he had the number two star. This week, three star, three goals, five assists, and eight points, and was a plus seven in the Kings' last four games where they went 4-0. Like I mentioned uh, last week, Ajo, a tremendous two-way centerman, currently has 57 points in 53 games, um, and he's just going to help this team get the number one seed in the Central, and the Hurricanes are young and very exciting team and are very scary to play in the playoffs. At number two, I have Miko Rantanen. Rantanen had three goals, four assists, and seven points and was a plus three in the last three games where the Avalanche went three and no. Rantanen plays on that right wing on that McKinnon line with Landeskog. Obviously benefits from that, but take nothing away from him. He is six foot four, a big body sniper, and has 59 points in just 46 games on the season. 
Uh, this actually gives him a 1.28 points per game, which is sixth best in the NHL currently. And at number one, I bet you can guess who it is. Yes, it's Connor McJesus, who had three goals, nine assists, and 12 points, and was a plus six in the last five for the Oilers, where they went four and one. Now, do I really need to say anything else or more about McDavid? No. Okay, I'm not going to say anything. So let's just wrap it up with our league leaders. Leading all rookies is Kirill Kurprisov, still with 45 points, edging out Jason Robertson, who has 42. Yes, Connor McDavid continues the lead in points and assists with 93 points and 62 assists. Matthews holds on to his lead for goals with 39 goals now on the season. He'll probably crack 40. Unlikely he's going to crack that 50 marker unless something insane happens. Adam Fox still leads all defensemen with 47 points. And for goalie sets, Jeremy Swayman leads the uh, league with 1.62 goals against. Philip Gustafson leads the way with 0.944 save percentage. Semyon Varlamov added two shutouts this past week to take the lead and has seven shutouts. And finally, Andre Vasilevsky continues to lead the league and wins with 30 for the Tampa Bay Lightning. So that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you all so much for listening as we discuss Yager's non-retirement and Miller's retirement, Gold Caulfield's historic back-to-back overtime winners, the Tom Wilson situation in the NHL, and how the playoffs are lining up. Make sure to follow me here on Spotify. I'll catch you all next week for another episode of Top Shelf.